0: Welcome to the Weird History Podcast. I'm Joe Streckert. This is an independent, listener-supported show. To support it, go to weirdhistorypodcast.com. Listeners of this show will not be surprised to find out that I have a great deal of affection for things on old maps that did not turn out to be real, like the mountains of Kong, the giant mountain range that used to be on maps of Africa that was not a thing, or the continent of Lemuria, which would have taken up a big chunk of either the Indian or Pacific Ocean, depending on where you'd put it, or stuff like Patagonian giants, Kingdom of Prester John, all that stuff. Love it. Today, I want to talk about things on old maps that are not giant mountain ranges or extra continents or that kind of thing. I want to talk about a guy who tried to slip stuff by people who tried to make his mark on the world, literally, by putting very small extra stuff on the map. The kind of extra stuff that, you know, nobody would really notice if it wasn't there, that would be believable, that folks would look at and say, sure, yeah, there could be an island there. And this guy who made extra islands out of thin air was a man called Benjamin Morrell. Now, he did have a legitimately adventurous life. He was from New York, he was born in 1795, and he ran away from home when he was 17 years old. And as a young man, he fought in the War of 1812, he got captured by the British, uh, and after the war, he became a sailor. And this guy went all the way from 17-year-old runaway through the hierarchy of shipping to eventually become a captain in 1823. And he got his own ship, it was called the Wasp, and Benjamin Morell took it around the world he took it around the world four times. He wrote a book about it. His book is called A Narrative of Four Voyages. And he wrote about things like hunting seals, trading with native peoples, finding exotic fur. And he really liked to talk about the beauty and the vistas of the Pacific Ocean. Think about volcanoes, colorful tropical birds. Think about, say, a mural on the wall of some kind of cheesy retro tiki bar. That is the type of picture that Benjamin Morrell was trying to paint. And again, I want to emphasize, this guy, he has a great life. He saw more of the world than most people did in the early 1800s. Indeed, he saw more of the world than most people did today. It's legitimately awesome how much of the globe that this guy went around. But Benjamin Morel was also a liar, a fabulist, and a plagiarist. So, that memoir he wrote, well, large sections of it were essentially stolen from other sources, you know, reworked, repackaged into his own thing. He spent a lot of time jazzing up other people's copy, and uh, he exaggerated. He exaggerated a lot. And on a few occasions, he claimed to have discovered land where there was not land, So there are a couple of instances in Benjamin Morell's memoirs where he claims to be the first, well, at least, you know, white person who finds various islands in the Pacific Ocean and around Antarctica. One of them was an island several hundred miles west of Hawaii he called Byers Land, and Byers was the name of one of his New York investors. So this probably wasn't about you know, making things up for the sake of making things up, he's also trying to suck up to his investors here, get a certain amount of prestige, trying to signal to other investors, hey guys, you want an island named after you? I'm your man. But here's what he has to say about Byers Island in his memoirs. He says, quote, This island is moderately elevated and has some bushes and spots of vegetation. It is about four miles in circumference and has good anchorage on the west-southwest side, with fifteen fathoms of water, sand, and coral bottom. There are no dangers around this island, excepting on the southeast side, where there is a coral reef, running to the southward about two miles. Seabirds, green turtles, and sea elephants resort to this island, and plenty of fine fish may be caught with hook in line about its shores. Fresh water may be had here, from south-southwest side of the island, which is of volcanic origin. Sounds nice, right? Sounds idyllic. And he's not trying to make something huge. He's not trying to make something that's grand and over the top. He's trying to make something that just sounds kind of pleasing and pleasant. So he's talking about this really chill ocean place filled with fish and turtles and manatees. Now. What if people wanted to come here? What if people wanted to see this totally chill island paradise that Morel is painting a picture of and naming after one of his bosses? Well, he also adds that he was convinced by a careful examination that this island afforded neither furs nor other valuable articles. So, he's not giving anyone a reason, other than the fact that it's really pretty, to swing by. But hey, it's pretty. He found it. It's named after his boss. He gets a little boost to prestige. However, years later, other ships came to the coordinates given by Morell, and they tragically did not find any manatees. They did not find any turtles, and they found nothing indicating a volcanic island. There was no fresh water, no coral reef, nothing except the Pacific Ocean from horizon to horizon. Byers Island existed nowhere except in Morell's mind and his memoirs. Also in his Memoirs of Four Voyages, Morel made up a few islands near Antarctica, uh, most prominently what would have been a largish island that he called New South Greenland. And this is as close as Morel gets to inventing something that is of any size. And had this thing been real, unlike Tiny Byers Island, uh, you would have noticed a substantial piece of land uh, just to the south of the Tierra del Fuego. But here's the thing. morell he makes up Byers Island. He plagiarizes from other sources for his memoirs. He exaggerates. He makes up a few other islands around Antarctica. But this big one, this big fabrication, it might have been just an honest error. And this is something that people who talk about Morell are divided on. Was he trying to make up a new island like he did with Byers? Or was he just being sloppy? Now, that description I read you of Byers Island... That was just the first part. He goes on, lavishing praise on this tropical paradise. With this other discovery, though, he's more terse. This is what Morell writes about New South Greenland. He says, quote, on Saturday, March 15th at 2 p.m., land was seen from the masthead, bearing west, distant three leagues. At this time, the wind had hauled to the southwest and at half past 4 p.m., we were close in with the easter coast of a body of land, which Captain Johnson had given a name, of New South Greenland. At 6 p.m., the wind hauled off the land, and we tacked and stood to the south along the coast, which runs about south by east, our boats being out and searching the shore for seals until 9 p.m. Unquote. That's it. That's all of it. And that is not exciting. So, he has this huge tract of land that he's placing in the Pacific, yet he's not lavishing any attention on it. And wouldn't somebody who is lying and exaggerating use this as an opportunity to cut loose, to talk about the chills of the wind, you know, the giant mountains of ice, the blinding white of the icebergs that you can barely look at in the cold Antarctic sun that persist even until that continent's midnight? No, does he talk about that? No, he doesn't talk about that at all. He just says, hey dudes, there's some land over there. So this guy who is constantly exaggerating and is inventing stories about dramatic storms, native peoples, and amazing sights, just says, hey, we found land. So what happened here? Well, it's entirely possible that Morell did make up New South Greenland, and he was trying to be understated. He was trying to make it believable. So he just did something that was really straightforward and kind of clinical sounding and just hoped people would go for that. Uh, he also could have just seen a very large iceberg and mistaken it for land. Uh, this is especially plausible if the iceberg was covered in dust and sort of dirty. That would make it look more land-like. And he never mentions setting foot on the island. He just looks at it and says, oh, hey, New South Greenland. So a dirty iceberg would have never been, well, icy for him. Uh, it could have also been a mirage. There are mirages around Antarctica. Some trick of delight could have made it look like land was happening when there was, in fact, no land. Um, I'm inclined to believe that Morell saw a dirty iceberg called at land and was fine with that. Maybe part of him suspected that what he was seeing wasn't the real deal, but he wasn't the type of guy who would think too long or hard about confirming something that would be good for his career. He didn't want to go out of his way to get verification that might not be verification. Uh, he was sloppy, and he was okay with being sloppy, and this could just be one more instance of that. If somebody is an accomplished liar, then probably the person at their best at lying to is themselves. And Morell, seeing an iceberg, probably just said, hey, cool, land. But this idea was still a little bit influential in a thing way out of left field, New South Greenland became a foundational part of a book by an obscure British doctor named Samuel Metcalf. And Metcalf, he honestly sounds like kind of a crank, but he wrote a book in 1833 called A New Theory of Terrestrial Magnetism, where he claimed that the Earth didn't merely have two magnetic poles, but three. And the third one was New South Greenland. Dr. Metcalf writes, quote, We have inferred the existence of a third center of magnetic attraction, of great power, situated not far from the true south pole, from the direction of the needle, which points due south, a few degrees west of the Cape of Good Hope, and— From the great number of enormous icebergs frequently met with the southwest of the Cape, which are known to be formed among mountain valleys and not in the sea, from which we conclude that there must be a large body of land toward the South Pole, where those icebergs were formed, and a center of cold proportional to its extent and elevation. Since completing this essay, we met with Captain Morrell, who confirmed our hypothesis previously founded on analogy." By the way, except for that last clause, that whole thing was all one sentence. Dr. Metcalf was not so good with prose. Anyway, Metcalf's assumptions rested on the idea that magnetic poles would emanate from areas of extreme cold, and New South Greenland would have acted, Metcalf thought, as another major center of cold and therefore magnetic power or something. And apparently, if he's telling the truth, he met with Benjamin Morrell, and Benjamin Morrell said, "'Oh, yeah, there's this big area of land called New South Greenland. Sure, Doc, that's your extra-magnetic pole on the Earth.' Now, to the best of my knowledge, nothing ever came of this. This didn't become at all influential. Uh, I haven't really found anyone who has, like, used Metcalf as a foundational source for their, you know, weird out-there New Age ideas or anything. This guy believed the world was tripolar, and Benjamin Morrell was fine to say, yep, totally right. The idea of New South Greenland would not last long into the 20th century. Uh, the Shackleton Expedition, which is one of the most significant Antarctic expeditions of all time, found no evidence of it. Uh, on June 2nd, 1916, the New York Times was all aglow on the front page about what the Shackleton Expedition had found. The first part of the headline said, New Land Found by Shackleton. And only a few sentences down, because things back then had like five headlines, it said, New South Greenland Myth. And that was it. That was the end of Morell's quote-unquote discovery. Later in his life, Morell fell on hard times. He was successful, uh, going around the world, finding seal fur and other valuables to trade and sell. Uh, he also made money in New York by putting on a stage show about South Pacific cannibals, and that was a moderate success. His memoirs sold moderately well. However, in the 1830s, Morell would make a mistake that would essentially ruin his career. One of his ships wrecked off the coast of Madagascar, and Morell and his crew, instead of waiting for authorities and shipping company representatives and, you know, insurance assessors you know, to show up and sort everything out with the shipwreck, no, instead they just picked up the cargo, got onto a passing British ship, and left for London. This is not something that Morel and his crew were supposed to do. They were supposed to sit there and wait so that the shareholders and insurers could just fill out all the proper paperwork, but they didn't. And the American authorities ruled that making off with the cargo of a ship, even if it is the cargo of your own ship that you were transporting, was basically piracy. So in London, Morell tried to sell the cargo that he'd essentially stolen and couldn't. News had gotten around. Other shipping firms were not interested in hiring him. He was a wanted man in American territory, and now persona non grata in British territory. So he went elsewhere looking for work. He tried to get the French government interested in an Antarctic expedition, but they said no. Words of his piracy, theft, and mendacity had spread to France as well. Morel couldn't get work in Britain, the U.S., or France, so, so he moved to Cuba. And it's not entirely clear what he was doing in Cuba, but he eventually sailed to Mozambique. It's possible that at this latter point in his life, Morel had gotten involved in the slave trade, but we don't know for sure. Off the coast of Mozambique, he survived yet another shipwreck, but he found himself stranded on that coast and died of a fever shortly afterward. However, if you read anything about Morel, you will see some speculation that he faked his death to evade authorities and lived out his life in South America after that shipwreck, and after that time in Mozambique. But we can't be sure. I don't know what to think about Morel. I'm sure that if I actually sat down with the guy, I'd probably find him arrogant, untrustworthy, and insufferable. But who knows? He might have also been a really kind of entertaining and interesting person to talk to. Albeit, you know, a terrible person. Not in spite of how he was kind of terrible, but maybe because of that. I also feel a little bad for the guy. It is very apparent that this guy wanted glory, recognition, and funding. That was what motivated him to make up Byers Island, and Antarctic Islands, and New South Greenland. But going around the world is adventure enough. If you've done any travel, if you've ever seen a place that was entirely new to you, you know that there is a feeling that comes over you that can be pretty dang transformative. That's a reality that I've experienced when I've seen new vistas. When I've gone to new countries and seen new sites... And that feeling of travel and discovery is one that doesn't need any embellishment. As always, this is a listener-supported show. It exists because you support it. Go to weirdhistorypodcast.com to become a monthly supporter. And thank you, all of you who do so already. We couldn't do this without you. Also, go on iTunes. Give us ratings and reviews. That will help other people discover the show. And all of you who have rated and reviewed the show already, I appreciate that. I also love hearing what you have to say about the show. That warms the cockles of my heart. I'm on social media, on Facebook, facebook.com slash weirdhistorypodcast. Go there and click the like button. I'm also on Twitter, at Joe Streckert. Go there and click the follow button. Thank you all very much for listening. Talk to you next week. Bye.